0: Good morning. I am very excited about this. Happy Father's Day, if I have not gotten to tell you that. Happy Father's Day, Bryce. Thank you. You too. Um, for those in Stuttgart, this is my buddy Bryce. Um, actually, my neighbor, my neighbor Bryce. And we have been talking about uh, tag team teaching, at least I have. I've been talking about tag team teaching with you for years And now that day has arrived and we get to do that. So
1: contract negotiations were rough. They were. They were were
0: rough. They were pretty tough. All those uh, picking out all the red (laughs) M&Ms to have in your uh, green room. That was was difficult. Um, So we're glad that you're here this morning. We're in part number three of this series. Now this series is called Bossy Pants. and I have, just to let you know a little bit about me, sometimes I have problems submitting to authority. And I have, I've gotten better over my years. It's taken me a while, but I, um, I, just, I have pushback sometimes because I just don't like people telling me what to do when I don't want them to tell me. Sometimes I have no problem at all, but when I don't want them to tell me what to do, I don't want them to tell me what to do. So I have problems. I struggle with that. And we said... <clears throat> Through the course of this series, we talked about how, generally, I may not be alone in that. A lot of us may have trouble with the whole authority thing on some level. And so, um, usually, when that happens, we, for some reason, are pushing back saying, oh, listen, I really don't want you tell me what to do. I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it. Now, we think to ourselves, well, who gets to tell us what to do? And so that's where the series has gone, basically. We have said, if somebody chooses to create something, as the creator or inventor, if they invent something, as long as they retain those rights, then they're saying, you know what, I'm in control of that. That is mine. And they do. They are in control of it. If they have created something, invented something, they get to decide how something uh, is going to be used because it's theirs. So they have the authority over that item and that's where we came to with this whole thing creation so God's the creator he created he gets the authority it's his whether I like it or not it's his he gets to choose even when I don't understand what he's doing it's still his authority because he's the creator so that's where this whole concept comes God's not just being a bossy pants in fact he's the furthest from that honestly he gave Adam and Eve, he wasn't a bossy pants, he gave just like one or two rules, that was it. That's not being bossy. He's saying, you're doing anything you want, except just don't do this. I'm already sidetracked, aren't I? Here we go, I'm going to move on. You're making it
1: rough on me first time. But that's <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, God basically, he says, listen, this is, this is it. And he moves towards us as a loving father, and I'm grateful for that. Um, now, my problem with authority is basically... I, I don't want to listen. God has said, I'm the authority. So I have grown to the point where I can accept that more and more and more and more. And I'm still in the process of that. But here's what he said. You know, he's not around for me to ask him questions, right? He's not here. I can't, I can't say, hey, what about this, what about that? Um, and so the the same thing exists, you know, when... He says, this is my authority. This is how I'm going to communicate that with you. He got to choose that as well, how he was going to communicate that. and He chose to communicate that through his word. So we shifted from God as authority to now God has given us his word to communicate what he wants to communicate with us, what he's chosen to communicate with us. And I have grown to the point in my life where I can say, you know what, I'm learning to accept that, how he's chosen to communicate me. Even when I don't understand it, I'm learning to accept that. Now, I have friends who might say, you know what, when it comes to God's word, though, you know, I just, you know, it's just so old. I mean, that is an ancient, ancient text. It is so old. How can you trust something that is so old, you know? There's, it, it, it was written for a time period that is not today. It was a whole other culture, they might say. That was thousands of years ago, and yet you're saying, Harley, that it applies today. How is that? Some people might even just say, they might throw me a bone in there, and say, well, you know what? Well, at, you might be able to use it for a little bit of wisdom, maybe, something like that, a little bit of wisdom, but you're not going to be able to use it for much else beyond that.
1: Yeah, and there's sometimes I think, man, you are asking a lot from me. I'm supposed to believe Scripture was 100% accurate, 100% reliable. And to be honest with you, there's times in my mind I start having these little doubts. And hardly to be honest, there's sometimes I have really big doubts. Yeah. So if you've struggled through the last two uh, teachings we've had, and you may struggle a little today, don't worry about it. We yeah. get it. This is some tough stuff.
0: Yeah, no doubt. One of the reasons that that it can be tough is that we we don't get to go to those people who wrote uh, what we call the New Covenant, those books that make up the New Covenant. We can't go to them and ask them, well, what did you mean by this? So we can't have that conversation with them and and understand what was going on when they wrote that. And last time I checked god really didn't let me in on any of the things that he did not include in the new covenant he he didn't come to me and say well here's some things that aren't in the new covenant i just want to fill in some blanks for you he didn't do that i haven't had that kind of conversation with god and even if i could why would he tell me <laughs> so um, so that makes it tough on me as well, Bryce, because i can 't go and answer some questions that I would like to have answered that maybe if I have trouble finding some of those answers in the New Covenant, that makes it difficult so Cole began to help us out by answering this question. Um, How can we really know that what we call the New Covenant, the Old Covenant as well, how do we know that that's really God's Word? How can we be sure of that? And last week, Cole talked about some reasons that we can have some faith in that and be sure of that. And one of those big reasons was this, and this matters a lot to me too. This this was a big reason. And that reason was that God has written history before it actually happened. And so he had these guys who were penning the new covenant. He had them write down history before it actually happened. So then when it did happen, it was like, "Whoa, there's no way they could have known that. No way." And so really the technical word for that, it's called prophecy.
1: Yeah, and we talked about the probability of those prophecies happening by chance. We determined that statistically, it's impossible they yeah. happened by chance therefore God must have done it. He wrote it down before it happened because he knew it was going to happen. And if you missed Cole's teaching on that last week, I really encourage you to go back and listen to it. It was really good. I love the statistics. They fascinate me. I'm a statistical guy. I love them. But as much as I love statistics, they're not enough.
0: You know that 80% of all statistics are made up?
1: Really? That's interesting. Uh I'll have to check that out when I get home. (laughs) You might make I'm everybody sure. out here not trust a word you say now. <laughs> I'm
0: not sure. I but just made that up. You probably um, Googled
1: it, didn't you? Yeah. No, yeah.
0: I just made it up. Oh,
1: oh. well, good, good. Um, <laughs> but what we probably should do is this. We should look at the ancient text and see what it claims about itself. That's what we need to do, and that's what we're going to do today. More than what someone else says about it, more than what the data some manuscripts are, more than what Harley or Cole or myself say about it, more than what a teacher, a documentary, a YouTube video... More than any of that stuff says about it, let's look and see what it claims about itself.
0: Yeah, so last week, we, uh, Cole got us started with a passage of Scripture, and we're actually going to land on that same Scripture today, and we're going to use that throughout this morning's teaching. So here's that Scripture, Second uh, Timothy. So this was written by a man named Paul who was basically uh, a, a, a Christ-hater at the time. Not when he wrote this, but a Christ-hater who... Actually, then had an encounter where he saw Jesus after he had risen from the dead. Saw Jesus face to face. He became a Christ follower, uh, which makes perfect sense. So he wrote this to a young man that he was mentoring. And again, uh, this is now part of our new covenant. This is a letter that he wrote him, Second Timothy. And we're going to start here in chapter three, verse sixteen. And just, I'm going to give you the first part of it. It says, "All Scripture." is inspired by God. So what does the scripture say about itself? Well, here's the first thing. It says that it's inspired by God. Now, the phrase for that, it can equally be translated as God breathed. In other words, God breathed this out. He, he gave them this information that they recorded. Um, so, and this just takes us all the way back to the Garden of Eden again. So here we have the evil one in the Garden of Eden, and he's telling Eve, he's saying, listen, Eve, You cannot trust, of course, I'm paraphrasing. You can't trust God. You just can't trust him. You can't trust him, and you can't trust his word. It's almost as if he's saying, Eve, listen, God has an agenda here, and you're not really included in it. He's got an agenda. He's trying to control things. And listen, he's not going to let you in on it. He's going to keep you in the dark, and that's part of him trying to control you. God is just being Eve God is just being a bossy pants and that's what he was basically telling Eve and it started there in the garden and it has continued generation after generation after generation and it's still happening today we still hear the voices today that say to us Harley you can't trust God you just can't trust him we hear this voice that tells us listen You know better. You know better. You know, when when God said, don't do this, he didn't really mean that. I I think probably what he was actually saying was, don't do this. So we have that voice that's telling us, we know better. We know the mind of God. And with that, we now live in a generation Where we as the reader of scripture, of God's word, of the new covenant and the old covenant, we as the reader, we get to assign the meaning to that passage that we choose to assign to it. So now today, when we pick up any literature today, any literature at all, we get to choose what it means. We get to... Assign that meeting and, and, and we do that with Scripture as well. We give it the meaning. In other words, it means whatever we decide that it means.
1: And that reminds me of a document. It's a document that many Americans hold near and dear to their heart. It's the Constitution of the United States.
0: I, I've got one right here. Do you? Do you no. carry
1: one with you? Oh. It's the law of the land. Yeah. Now, the deal about the Constitution is this. If enough people decide they want to change a part of it, they can do so. They can change a lot of it. They can actually change what a part of it means, although the author wanted it to mean something else. Now, they could even go and replace the whole document with something new if they had enough people that would agree with them. God's word is not that way. God's word is unchangeable. It means what he says it means. This means that I'm not the authority over it. It is the authority over me. But if I disregard that, and I decide I get to choose what it means instead of what the author means, the rights of that author as the creator of that document die. If I choose to think like this, I'm saying that author has zero authority over me.
0: Yeah, and that's a big deal. Today, it is more than common for us to think, um, okay, so that author doesn't really get to tell me what he wrote or what she wrote, what it means. In the case of Scripture... We think the same thing. They don't get to tell me. I mean, I'm the reader. I, I, I'm the reader. I am free from the slavery of whatever the author intended that to mean. I'm free from that. So you, Mr. Author, whoever you might be, you can't tell me what it means. You have no right to tell me what it means. And in fact, what we really do now today is we kind of decide together. I, I, I find a community that thinks the way I think and then together we decide this is what it means now Bryce already said it from that perspective if that's the perspective we're using and that's the common perspective of the generations that we live in right now from that perspective there's a shift in authority what the author intended has no authority that writing has no authority. And you see where we're going. So if, it's, if we're talking about the new covenant or if we're talking about scripture, we're saying that has no authority. The author, no authority over me. I get to choose. So if I'm choosing what the meaning is of that writing, then I become the authority over that writing. That writing has no authority over me. We decide for ourselves. Whatever's written, I get to choose. That means there's no authority there at all. And that's the day we live in. And it's the same old thing all the way back to the garden. That same word that says, you know what? You just can't trust what God has written. You can't trust his word. You actually... Know better So you better look out for yourself. You know better. So what we're teaching, it's actually counterculture today. It's counterculture. We are not going to join the voices that say, "You can't trust God. You can't trust what He says." We're going to actually say the opposite. We're going to say. You can trust God, and I think maybe maybe another word. Let let me say, you can learn to trust God. It's a process. You can learn to trust God. You can learn to trust everything that he has said. So basically what we're saying is this. If we're going to do that, if we're going to trust God and trust what he says, it has to start with God. It doesn't start with me and what I think. It starts with God and what he said. So, let's go back and let's look again. And let's let scripture speak for itself. So if God gets to speak, then, then let's say, okay, God gets to decide. Let's see what scriptures say for themselves and let's see what God says
1: let's go back to 2nd Timothy three sixteen through 17 verse 16 all scripture is inspired by God it is all God breathed it is his word scripture is God's word he's the author giving his words to a human writer that he chose to write it he's using the personalities of that human but the Holy Spirit keeps his words untainted and without error in the original manuscripts now verse uh, back the first two words in verse 16. All Scripture. The New Covenant was considered Scripture in the first century and the apostles considered it Scripture. Paul is saying here, these Old Covenant texts that you have and these New Covenant ones that are being formed, these letters, and these biographies, this is altogether Scripture. Have you realized that before? I'm going to be honest with you. Until Harley and I started working through this, it never really struck me, and I'm a little embarrassed to, to admit that, because here's how I thought it happened. Yeah,
0: and this is kind of Traditional, though, I would say, Bryce, not, maybe not way back, but we, this is, if you have been raised going to church. Right. And so this is a question that, that maybe never even crossed your mind or my mind as a young adult or a young person. And yeah. so I'm sorry to interrupt, but no. that's, it is a big, it's a big point.
1: Because here's how I thought it happened. Yeah. This is just how Bryce's mind, what he thought happened. I pictured Paul, Peter, Matthew, Mark, any of the writers of the New Covenant sitting under a tree, maybe a sycamore tree, I don't know, but they had their, had their little journal out, and they're writing things down, and, oh, did you hear what Jesus just said? I'm going to write that down. <laughs> Take a note. Take a note of that, yeah. Did you see how many people Jesus fed with that boy's lunch? I'm going to write that down. How
0: many men? Yeah. Just count the yeah, men. just
1: the men. There was 5, 000, I think there was 5,000 Bobby counted them. There was 5,000 of them. I'm going to write that down. And then three or 400 years later, there's some old men around a table, and they decide what Scripture is. That's how I thought it happened. And boy, was I wrong. Here's how it happened. Before the end of the first century, all the letters and biographies, which make up our new covenant, were decided on. They were considered Scripture. It had done deal. They knew God in real time was writing Scripture.
0: Yeah. Um, so, not only did they know that as they were writing, God was giving them what they wanted. That's what it claims in, in the Word. But they also recognized that what someone else, another apostle, was writing was Scripture. So, they didn't just recognize it who, for the writer. They also recognized it for the other person that was writing. And here's what, I, I want to show you a couple of verses here. Here's one. So, in this verse I want to read. This is uh, Peter, who was one of the original 12 disciples and an apostle. He saw Jesus, you know, after he came out of the tomb alive. And he's writing about something that Paul wrote. And so he is identifying this, what Paul wrote, is scripture. And this, as Bryce just said, what happened in the first century, this is all happening. Here we go. This is 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 and 16. I'm just going to read through it. And Peter says this, And remember, our Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. This is what our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you with the wisdom that God gave him. In other words, this is not Paul's wisdom. This is something that was given to him. And here's what he says in verse 16. Uh, Speaking of these things in all of his letters... Some of his comments, well, he said they're, they're hard to understand. And here, listen to this. Those who are ignorant and unstable have twisted his letters to mean something quite different. Just as they do, here's what he's calling Paul's writings with other parts of Scripture. Wow. Saying, this is Scripture. What Paul wrote to you scripture and then he and then he says he ends it by saying and this will result in their destruction
1: and another example Jude summarizes other apostles he actually quotes Peter it's a second Peter 3 3 to be exact and also Paul quotes Lucas scripture and that's in first Timothy 5:18, and he says for the scripture says now this first part this is from the Old Covenant you must not muzzle an ox to keep it from eating as it reads as it treads out the grain and in another place Those who work deserve their pay. That other place, he is quoting Luke's writing. He's quoting Luke as being a New Covenant writer. He's saying that is Scripture. Paul is saying Scripture says it in this place, in these ancient writings, and he also is saying it in this place, in these writings that you just recently received.
0: Yeah, and so I think those are important just to kind of highlight because this is showing that these writings, as they were being written and and delivered, to the churches and to the individuals, they were considered then Scripture. First century. You see, we have this idea that Scripture was, became Scripture about 300, 400 years after. That's when we think it all happened. It, it was happening as it was happening the first century now we call that process canonization so the word canon not talking about the thing that shoots the cannonball the canon we're speaking when we hear that we think of uh, scripture canon really just means the standard and so to canonize something is not to say uh, to you know it's not creating scripture it's saying this to canonize means we're agreeing that this has met the standard, canonization, to canonize the canon. So here's what we're saying. The first century churches, in other words, Jesus was here on earth. He had his disciples, no church yet, had his disciples. He died. He rose again. Then Jesus sends them out to start the church. The first century churches they saw these specific writings these letters these biographies as meeting the standard of scripture saying these are scripture now we have the new covenant and we call it new because then it was new it was a brand new covenant between god and man see the old covenant was a covenant god had with the nation of israel And it was talking about the coming of the Messiah. And then the new covenant came around. And the new covenant was not just about Israel. It was God's covenant with everyone, with the world. Because it was about the Messiah who did come. The Messiah who did die on the cross for us and raise again three days later. It's God's covenant with the whole world. And this first covenant these first churches that were around and being started the leaders of these churches actually commanded the people they were like you got to be careful you you got to watch out because there's a lot of false writings out there that are not scripture so they had identified the ones that were scripture and they said you got to watch out for these that are not, in order for it to be authentic, some of those tests were it had to be written by an actual apostle or it had to be written by a close associate of an apostle. And then it would have to be delivered to that church or to that person by a close associate of that apostle. And so they knew it was authentic. And in some cases, there were actually signatures. They knew it was authentic. And when it was carried by that companion, it it, it would be like if I sent a letter to somebody via Bryce, and they would know, oh, it really did come from Harley. It didn't just appear out of nowhere centuries later. Oh, look what we found, a letter from Barnabas. It didn't appear, it was carried by his close associate. And they would take those, and then they would Read them as scripture to all the churches and circulate them.
1: And here's one of the warnings we see about them reading non-scripture, and it's found in 2 Thessalonians 2, 1 through 3. It says, Do not believe them, even if they claim to have had a spiritual vision, a revelation, or a letter supposedly from us. Don't be fooled by what they say. By the end of the first century, all 27 books that make up our new covenant were written, received, and accepted by the first churches as scripture. They were God's breathed word. They accepted that. And the writings that didn't pass the standard, they didn't accept it. That means within the first century, the canon was complete, and it was recognized by the first church. 300 years later, because some false writings started popping up, and the growing distance from the last apostles, the church started struggling and arguing and debating over what writings were New covenant. What, which ones were really God-breathed. And what I find truly amazing is that, in the end, all 27 of the writings that were affirmed by the first church were also affirmed by the later church as being God-breathed Scripture.
0: You know, I think this is an important note. That last canical meeting, that last meeting where they were saying, okay, we're going to decide, you know, what's, what's what. That's kind of what we hear about. And it happened about, as Bryce said, about 300 years after Jesus walked this earth and, and died and rose again. 300 years. So Bryce already said, there, there was no, nobody alive that was alive then. So there was a, there, they, they were struggling a little bit. Okay, can we really trust it? Can we trust it? When they had that meeting, or series of meetings to, to come up with that final decision and say, yeah, yeah, we affirm that. We do affirm that this really is Scripture. They, they were not turning these writings of the New Covenant into Scripture at that meeting. You know, what they did do for us there at that meeting, they pulled them together into one collection of books that we have available to us today, the, the New Covenant. Because earlier, they were all separated into separate writings. They pulled them together. And they also gave that collection of books a name. You know what they called it? The Bible. (laughs) They called it the Bible. And today, if we refer to the collection of writings in the New Covenant, we may not relate to that term. We see it as one single book. It's not one single book. The New Covenant is 27 different letters and biographies that during this canonization process they pulled together into one collection but it was not that process that turned that collection of books into scripture they were just affirming yes what the early churches saw as scripture we concur we agree it really is scripture it meets the test of scripture They understood God had already turned it into Scripture because it was God-breathed. That was His. It was already Scripture, and they're just affirming that. And so here we go. All Scripture is inspired, all of it. All the the ancient writings of the Old Covenant, those were inspired by God. They were God-breathed. And now all of these new covenant writings that have been gathered together for us into the new covenant, those are also God-breathed, all inspired, breathed by God to a person that was hand-picked by God to write it down.
1: Yeah, and let's get back to our verse here in 2 Timothy 3. We're going to be back in 16. All Scripture is inspired by God. Now Paul is going to tell us what the Scripture is used for. It is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. It is useful. It is perfectly good to help us find our way to God through Jesus and then know what it looks like to follow Jesus. That's what Paul is saying. Now, verse 17, God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. New Covenant Scripture is saying this about itself. It's all we need. It's complete. There's nothing to be added to it. It's true, completely accurate. It is God-breathed. And it makes it the ultimate authority because it is God's, and God cannot lie.
0: Yeah. So that brings us back to today, 2021. And in 2021, it is normal for us not to view it that way that Bryce just stated. Today, it's normal for us, and generally, that... Hey, we get to decide. We get to decide what it means. And because of that, then we want to kind of pick and choose parts of it. And we want to say, okay, okay. This part, well, this part I think is true and good. But if you flip back over to this part, I don't think so. I don't think this part was true. This part might be true. That part, I don't think is true. And we do the same thing. We look at it and we say, okay, okay. When the writers talk about this... That's all erroneous. Those are all full of errors. And we're not talking about they put the period and the comma in the wrong place. Because, honestly, back then they used no periods or commas all. It was all run together. But anyway, side note. They're saying the information is erroneous. But this, if it's talking about spiritual things or how to follow Jesus, okay, okay, we we can believe that. But if it's talking about this over here, you know, that's... That's an error. So we pick and choose today, it's very common, pick and choose the parts that we think are true or the parts that we think are false, the parts that we think have errors, the parts that we think do not. Now, if that's what we're doing, guess what that makes us? That makes us the judge. And it makes us the authority. So I become the judge and I become the authority over Scripture because I'm deciding... What is true? What is false? What is right? What is wrong? What is good? What is bad? What is useful? What is not? I get to decide. That makes me the authority. And in fact, for, for, for God's word, for the new covenant, it says there's no authority there at all because I'm the one deciding. And today, more and more and more, we want our own authority. We don't want God telling us what's right or wrong. We, we don't want God deciding for us. I mean, He didn't get to choose. I get to choose. I, I, I don't want Him... At least the God according to scriptures, according to his word. I don't want that God as he's described in scriptures. I don't want him telling me what it means. I want to choose what it means. It doesn't mean what he says it means. It means what I say it means. We don't want the author telling us through his text, commanding us what it means so we decide together here's what I think it means and so it's going to mean that
1: yeah and just pay attention as Harley said earlier it's the same lie we keep hearing you can't trust what God says just watch what people say on social media watch the news we don't want anyone telling us that we're thinking wrong that we're living wrong that we're choosing wrong we don't want to hear it It's not something we want to hear somebody tell us, especially God. So we discount God's word. We tell him, that doesn't mean anything. That's just old fairy tales. Or we're really good at reassigning new meanings to it so it fits what we want to do. We become experts at that. But as the apostles warned us in the new covenant, it's going to happen more and more and more. And I think we see that today for sure. You want some old news? And it's sad for me to call this old news because it's from 2005, but...
0: Ancient. I don't feel like it's that
1: old, but I guess it is. Um, There's an article in the London Times, October 2005, and this is what the article headline reads. Catholic Church No Longer Swears by Truth of the Bible. Now, that was in 2005. Today, we have entire groups and denominations saying that it's not true, or only parts are true. And guess which parts are true? The ones that... That go along with how they want to live. That's the parts that are yeah. true. Then they assign meaning, other meanings to the parts they don't necessarily agree with. We well, have denominations. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We have denominations and groups saying about their favorite sins. That's not what God really meant. We've just been reading it wrong all this time. He didn't really say that. And here's what's really sad. They're even going as far as saying God actually approves of things that we know His Word says is sin.
0: Yeah. Because, hey, we get to decide what it means. So here's what I want to let you know. At Stuttgart Harvest Church, at the church in Malvern, we're going to teach you from the perspective that what God has written and provided for us in His Word, in Scripture, in the New Covenant and the Old Covenant, we're going to teach that as true, and we're going to teach it as reliable. That we can trust it. Now, I understand. As Bryce said, you may not be there yet for yourself. And I want you to know, that's okay. You're in a safe place to journey towards that. But that's the perspective we're going to teach from. And I want you to know this. even We're not going to pick and choose the parts. Even the parts that when I read through the scripture, even those parts that sting me, because of the things I struggle with. Those parts that are convicting to me. I'm even going to teach those as true. I'm not going to skip by them. I'm not going to pick out the stuff that I think you need to hear. (laughs) The stuff that stings me. The stuff that convicts me. The things I struggle with where the scripture says and and the things it says about that and talks about that, I'm going to teach that as truth. I want you to know that. In fact, every week we spend hours and hours and hours doing our best to do this, to get into God's Word, to understand God's Word and the truth that's there. And then to present that to you as truth. And I want you to know this. If we ever say anything, if I ever say anything or Cole ever says anything, we're all in agreement with this. If Bryce were to say something or another person that we're tag teaming with, if we say anything that is contrary to what God's word says, we are wrong. We're wrong. Absolutely wrong. And I want to encourage you in this. Never accept something just because that's something that we have said. And I, I want you to know to be able to trust us. But I also want to encourage you over the course of your life, as, as we encourage you to and teach you how to, to get into God's Word so that if I say something that is erroneous, that does not agree with or line up completely with God's word, then you recognize it. Now you may not be to that point yet, but we're going to walk with you as we're on the same journey, we're going to walk with you to get to that point, to not just accept something because we've said it. We want you to be able to know from God's word that's what God's word says, not what Harley says. So we encourage you. To look inside God's word and test what we say. Because what God says is truth. And that is perfect. What I say about it, I, I, I can mess up. In fact, I know I have, Bryce. When I look back at things I taught when I was younger, and, and it wasn't heresy, which is a weird word for saying something that's really just completely anti Christ and his message it wasn't heresy but I, I when I look at some of the things I taught in my younger days maybe I latched onto something that God didn't really latch onto and so we want you to be able to develop that as you go and you may not be able to be there today but we want we want to help you get there as we are on that very same journey so maybe we can just admit if you're anything like me this is a journey, and it is a process. I have not arrived. I have—I do not have a perfect understanding of what God has written, and and Bryce doesn't. Cole does not. None of us do. And and as you know for yourself, you're probably thinking there—you know—I I, I certainly don't. And you're correct. None of us do. We don't have a perfect understanding. This is a process. It's a journey. It happens slowly. Little by little, over the course of time, we develop more and more and more trust in God. We develop more and more trust in what He has said, little by little, and it's over the rest of our lives. If you're a follower of Jesus, that's the way it works increasing in trust and belief. And we believe this the only way to really get to that point. So, right now, you may be saying, Listen, you know, uh, this makes sense, but, but Harley, Bryce, Cole, listen, I, I, we're just not there yet. You may be saying, I'm just not there yet. I don't trust it like that yet. And I want you to know that's okay. I think the only way to trust God more and more and to trust what he has said more and more is to read it, read what he has written, and we will begin to slowly understand it and trust it more and more so here's what we're asking you to do this week now week number one we ask you to read Romans chapter one this is week three of this series I would like to ask you this would you as a next step read this week Romans chapter 3 maybe you could read the whole chapter But I would encourage you, at the very least, start with verse 9 of Romans chapter 3 and then read to the end of that chapter. There's only 30 verses in the whole chapter, so you'll just be reading like 21 verses. And here's what I want you to do. Read it slowly. And and read it more than once. But don't just read it. I want to encourage you to have a conversation with God. And here's the conversation I would encourage you to have. God. What I'm reading, Romans chapter 3, 9 through the end, what I'm reading, is this true as Cole and Bryce and Harley have said that it's true? Or, and I'm I'm serious in this, talk to God about it. Is this a lie like the evil one says it's a lie? God is not afraid of that question. And he's not going to shame you. He's also probably, if I'm guessing, he's also probably not, you're not going to hear an audible voice that says, true. (laughs) That doesn't happen a lot these days, I don't think. But God's not afraid of that conversation with you. And do you know what he's probably going to use? I'm going out on a limb here. What he's probably going to use to help you develop more faith and trust in the fact that It really is true. He's going to use this scripture, I bet. I bet he will. It's a process. And the reason why I know that, the reason why I can say that with a little bit of confidence, that's what he's done in my life. And that's what he, I I hate to use the word done, because that's what he's doing. That's what he's doing in my life. So will you have that conversation with God. Now, we're we're wrapping this up this morning, but we're wrapping this up on a very, specific note for me I have chosen to believe in God's Word and and we mentioned this I think I I can't remember if it was Cole who mentioned it in week two a big reason why I believe that it's God's Word is because Jesus believed that this was God's Word and if someone can you know predict their death and predict their own resurrection You know, write history before, hey, if he he can do that, then I'm going to go with that person. And that was was Jesus. I believe that. But here is the big, giant disclaimer for today. And really, it applies to this whole series. Here's the disclaimer. We as humans can only understand God's word through God's spirit. This is an important, important note. It's not my logic that is going to make sense of God's word. It's not my ability to deduce things and put things together and say, oh, that's logical, that makes sense, this works. this It's none of that, honestly. I only understand it when God's Spirit helps me understand it. And for me, I want you to know, God's Word is life-changing. It has been changing my life for years and years and years. And the more I'm in God's Word, the more I'm in it, the more His Spirit helps me to understand it. The more I am in it, the more I begin to trust Him, and I begin to trust His Word. It's a process, and He changes me through that process.
1: Yeah, and earlier I admitted that sometimes I have doubts, and sometimes they're big doubts. They really are, and I struggle with them.
0: I, I want to say, I do t- still even to this day, yes. there are moments that I have doubts about certain things, yes. big doubts.
1: It's, it's, hard, to, it's yeah. hard to wrap your head around. But I'm going to admit this also. Many times I look back when I had those doubts, I was viewing Scripture through the lens of my experiences, my feelings, my emotions, and that's really why I was having those doubts. I was relying on myself. I was, I was wanting to understand it on my own. But Paul tells us there's only one way that we can really understand Scripture, and that's in 1 Corinthians 2, 13 through 14. And that is for God's Spirit to open our eyes to it. For when we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. But people who aren't spiritual, let me stop right there, that word spiritual is not some weird word, that just simply is talking about people who are God's people through following Christ. That's, that's who he's talking about. Those people who are not following Jesus can't receive the truth from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it.
0: Uh, that's, that's, pretty, that's pretty clear. We cannot understand it without God's help. It's not my wisdom. It's not my logic. It's not my understanding. But through him, through his Spirit, through his help, his guidance... Because listen, it it is His. This thing, this new covenant, all those books, those letters, those biographies, those were God breathed. And God assigned all the meanings to that, not Harley. And so it's only through His Spirit that I'm going to be able to begin to understand that. And you take God's Spirit out of the equation without his spirit opening my heart and my eyes and my mind to what he has written, you take the spirit out, then I'm going to read that, and here's what's going to happen. I'm going to think, it's just stupid. I mean, Bryce just read, I almost said Paul, Bryce just (laughs) read that. I'm going to think it's just stupid. I'm going to think it's idiotic. I'm going to think it's just a bunch of outdated myths just a bunch of stories, fables, without God's Spirit helping me to understand this. So I hope, my prayer, is that you, this week, no matter where you are in this journey toward or with Jesus, I hope that you will jump into the book of Romans chapter 3 and that you will read that, read it slowly, read it many times, and have a conversation with God. God Can, is this your truth or is this, as the evil one says, a lie? That's my hope. I hope you'll have that conversation this week. Now, as we close in our prayer for the teaching time, I'm just simply going to use some of the words, and I won't use them purely, I'm sure it'll be more of a paraphrase, but I'm going to use some of the words that John the disciple wrote as he was talking about this whole thing of Jesus and God's word let's pray God the Apostle John reminded us that all these things that have been written all these things that have been recorded they were recorded so that we could actually believe for people like us that never got to see Jesus face to face you had them recorded so that we could believe so that we could believe not just believe but that we could believe that Jesus is the Christ that Jesus is the anointed one the Messiah the Son of God and that by believing in and cleaving to and trusting in and relying upon him we can have life in his name through who he is so Jesus because of all of that we want to declare this morning that we are learning to understand that this is your scripture that You are our authority, and we are learning to understand that this, your writing, your new covenant has authority over us, so we're going to ask this, that your spirit guide us and that your spirit show us through scripture how to follow you, and we ask all of this in the name of Jesus, our Savior, amen.